Welcome in to yet another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. Frankie Cardicelli, Chris Watkins, as always, joining us this week. You guys can now talk. You guys were trying to hold in the laugh as I was doing Come the on, Matt. <laughs> Talking over the, the song. What's the matter with you? <laughs> you had a bad day. That George, ABC 10, Brendan Nunez of the Kings Herald, also of the Kings Pulse podcast, Matt George, also of uh, Locked On podcast. Definitely need to make sure to get that one in there. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure to have you guys on the pod. Uh, coming at, at such a beautiful time, the Kings are on a five-game win streak, currently sitting seven games above 500, number three seed in the Western Conference number one seed right now in the Pacific Division, which I guess peoples are still paying attention to. Hell yeah, baby. Uh, we, <laughs> the question on everyone's mind is, will we hang a banner, gentlemen? Uh, no, that, that we don't. Yes, know. absolutely. Yes. Should absolutely. we? Okay, There's okay. so much ceiling space up banner? there. Damn right. There's Get two, another banner, Pacific two individual there. banners right now that are hanging up for our division titles. Should we consolidate them to just nope. make one? Nope. Like, like with, with the list, like they're listed. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. Yes. We don't no. need separate banners for. Or, the, come on. I want Here's more. The do we even need division banners? No. Like is this there year any they do. Other team in the NBA that hangs division banners. No. Is there you any know, other team in the NBA with a 16-year playoff drought? No, I don't think there's any other team with a four-year playoff drought. I don't think there's any other team with a four. We have like the four times the longest playoff drought. I think it's the Hornets right now. That's yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, they should maybe think about hanging a banner for the playoff drought because I think that should be like, like a, a roll of toilet paper. Yeah, like a roll of toilet paper, like a tattoo on the franchise, if you will, like to never forget the fact that right. we went 17 years without sniffing the playoffs. They but. should retire the number 16. <laughs> they should retire the playoff drought on it. Peja yeah. and playoff drought. And playoff oh. drought. Oh, that's right, Peja. Oh, sorry, bud. I think it's already retired, actually. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah, sorry, Peja. You just lose put, it. A second one up there because, like, I think the Yankees have two number eights retired for Yogi Bay. They have two number eights retired, so they, they can retire two. You can do two. Oh, classic Yankees doing something yeah. dumb. <laughs> oh, we have so many good players hey, that man. we actually have to double retire them. You know what? I, I do realize with baseball, they do even the Yankees have like division championship like flags in the out. Like, they don't, I don't get why, I don't get why it's a thing. I don't really hey. get it. Hey, let's take the whole thing that's special with retiring a number for a specific player, and let's do them for two. Yuck, yuck, we're the Yankees. They didn't retire. Come on. You're, you're going to disrespect Yogi Berra? Yes. Is that what we're doing? Are we disrespecting Yogi Berra on yes. this nice Thursday morning? Okay. Yogi yes. Berra's got some incredible quotes. That's, I'll remember that. that. That's really when, all I know. When you Yogi come to Berra. a fork in the road, take it. Take it. Always. And uh, it, my favorite is uh, nobody ever goes there. It's always crowded. It's always crowded. Or uh, it, gets, it gets late early out here. I stand Pacific oh. Division banners. So anyways, yeah, Pacific Division banner uh, soon to be coming. Can't wait to, uh, yeah. to get that one uh, stitched up and uh, and uh, up in the rafters. Can't wait. Uh, while we're talking about uh, accolades and acknowledgments, we should also acknowledge the fact that uh, All-Star Returns have yet again came out for the fan voting uh, just uh, about an hour ago before we started recording. And gentlemen, we finally, the, the city is done. We have done it. We are top 10. Uh, we have gotten Demona Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, both in the top 10 of all-star fan voting. Uh, many would say it doesn't matter because uh, this is only half of the vote and this is only for all-star starters, but uh, yet it still feels like an accomplishment after, uh, after both not making the initial list for them 
to uh to finally crack that top 10 is there any thoughts on uh on the kings now being in the top 10 of all-star fan voting frank i'm just glad the kings my bad i don't mean to step on toes wow i was trying that was my bad that was my bad that was a late toss late toss no go ahead like a referee late with brennan you thoughts i want to hear from frankie personally oh Uh, so do i okay okay uh first of all I mean, I guess it's nice they're ending on that note. They're both in the top 10. That's great. That's fantastic. Now we get to know that Demonis Sabos and Kevon Looney are like, what, 5,000 votes apart? That's great. Same and same. then De'Aaron Fox and Austin Reeves are 10,000 votes apart. Fantastic. Thank you for that piece of knowledge. Other than that, I don't really care because, again, as we know, the main voting, which is happening right now, which I don't know if you guys heard, J.J. Reddick, which, who apparently has a vote, by the way. I can't I'm, – I'm, it's his first year as a media member, and they're giving him a vote. Great. But he is voting for Demonis Sabonis as a starter. He's including him in his starting votes. So the media, the coaches are voting. Nice that they're getting the attention top 10, but that's my thought. Just let's see what the coaches have to say in the media. Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons also said that they will put uh, Domas in their in their starting. Really? So he might be starting. He might start the All-Star game. Well, he definitely might. fan votes, right, just for starters? I think it's split. It's, no, it's, fan it's, is fifty percent, and then twenty-five is media, twenty-five is current players. Because that's what that's what JJ said, which I was confused by that too. I thought that the fan voting was all starters, but he said like so I have I. I have a right to vote for the starters too. And he's like I'm actually putting Sabonis in my starters, and I was confused. So maybe there's a if I don't know about Bill Simmons and and Zach Lowe, but there's three guys right there that could be voting for Sabonis for all star starter. Yeah, I mean, Sabonis has been that guy. I think if, like, the season stopped right now, he'd be third-team All-NBA. He's the third-best center in the league. Like, I think Bam Adebayo's the closest guy, but after Jokic and Embiid, it's clearly Domas. And, like, yesterday's game against the Lakers, I think, was a good example of how much this team just revolves around him. It didn't look anything like the same offense. They were able to get by, um, and I was glad to see some Rashawn Holmes. But Sabonis has been ridiculously good for the team this year. I mean... When we're talking just under 19 points, leading the league with 12.6 rebounds, seven assists on 61% from the field, like th- this guy's been absolutely ridiculous. And I, I think that he's an absolute lock to make it. I, I think that De'Aaron is more of a conversation. Like if it comes down to it, I was listening to that Zach Lowe, uh, Bill Simmons thing that Chris pointed out. And, you know, their conversation came down to like, oh, well, if you have to pick De'Aaron or Dame Lillard, it's pretty hard to not pick Dame, to be honest. But like, it's just going to be tough decisions when it comes to does De'Aaron make it or not. But he's right in that conversation. I think the main argument he has has been all his clutch performances and his clutch statistics. He's been so good in that aspect, and obviously his numbers in general look good. But Domas should be there, and and hopefully they get a second representation. Hopefully there's more than even that when it comes to the entire All Star Weekend with with Kevin Herter ideally in the three point contest. First off, F that. It's easy to not pick Damian Lillard. His team is 11th in the West at 21 and 23. The Sacramento Kings, I don't care what Damian Lillard is doing. You have to take into account the fact that the Sacramento Kings are in a position that nobody, including many of us in Sacramento, ever thought that they would be in at this point in January. They're third in the Western Conference. De'Aaron Fox is a massive part of that. And last night, without DeMontis Sabonis on the road against LeBron James, De'Aaron Fox carried the Sacramento Kings through the biggest struggle of this season. He's the most clutch player in the NBA. He's fifth in the NBA in like fourth quarter points. I know LeBron James is number one. It didn't take a monumental fourth quarter from Fox 
last night for the Kings to be victorious. It's because he got all of his work done ahead of time when the Kings needed him to, and their offense was nothing besides him because they were struggling to adapt to being without DeMontis Sabonis. Like all that has to be taken into account. I know Dame Lillard is Dame, and I know he has these tremendous numbers, but the Portland Trailblazers are a struggling franchise right now. It's not all his fault, but at the same time, too, you have to give the significant credit that De'Aaron Fox deserves for the position that the Sacramento Kings in. A turnaround from not being in the playoffs to third seed in the West is ridiculous. And to recognize that with just one player who you cannot ignore in DeMontis Sabonis to me would be malpractice. So De'Aaron Fox absolutely deserves to be in the All-Star game over Dame Lillard, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. I think uh, I think the tough part, and uh, you know, everything you said is one hundred percent factual, and I'm right there with you. I think the tough part is is the second part of All Star is the star part of it. And De'Aaron, I think, is growing his star power at the moment, but uh, it's just going to be tough for a lot of uh, people filling out their ballots. I believe uh, that once you already get your one Sacramento Kings representative in there, it's a lot. It's just going to take a little bit more. Uh, persuading for them to get that second king in there over, you know, somebody who is a legitimate bona fide star like Damian Lillard. Yeah, like spreading the wealth, right? Like making sure each right. team gets representative. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like part of me is thinking like what, what Sabonis is doing is so crazy because if you were to block out the name, it's like how people do the player A, player B things on Twitter. If you were just to show me those stats and be like, guess who, which player this is, I would say oh, it's it's Jokic looking at Sabonis' stats. Those look like... Um, that looks like a Nikola Jokic stat line. Maybe more points because I think he's around 24, 25 a game. Um, maybe more. But it. I think it's almost like an outlier because what he's doing is so – I mean, I think he's top five on basketball references MVP like algorithm. Like he is number five on the MVP, um, their ladder. He just is playing like an absolute all-star MVP candidate, all-NBA player, whatever you want to say. And – does that take away from Fox being an all-star? I hope not because no. Fox is also somebody. No, I don't I don't think that it does. But for voters, like Chris said, if you chalk up a Sacramento player on your 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 ballot, maybe you do say, okay, well, we got Sacramento their love. They deserve it. Maybe in their minds, they're not from here. That is what that's them deserving. Like they get one. Like that's what they get. Well, well then was, voters are not good at their jobs. Like that's sure. the reality is then they're not good at their jobs, which is a very honest point because a lot of people I know are still not watching Kings basketball, even with how good this team is. But to say that representation, oh, the Kings get one just because of their turnaround and not paying attention to what De'Aaron Fox specifically is doing. Plus, like the Kings have been in the position that the Portland Trailblazers are in right now. They've been in a better position around the All-Star break and still didn't get representation. Why? Because the argument against De'Aaron Fox was that, well, like the, the Kings haven't won enough yet. The only th- like Fox had the numbers, but he didn't have the wins. Now Fox has the wins and decent numbers. And we're saying you can only have one or voters are saying you can only have one. to me. Like that would piss me off if I'm De'Aaron and maybe fuel his fire a little bit. So I think there's a very good chance. Like you're saying, De'Aaron won't make it just because it's the West. I think a lot of people are going to pick Dame over De'Aaron just because of name. And if they do and De'Aaron misses out, I mean, I think that's more fuel to his fire, and I think that would be a tragedy for the NBA in a lot of ways because De'Aaron absolutely deserves to be there next to his front court partner. I think it depends which voters really have a love and appreciation for the art of skating and which ones do not. <laughs> this guy, this guy Personally. is crazy. Oh, boy. <sighs> you know, just, Katie Christensen like and <laughs> Kyle Draper have used skates with De'Aaron Fox playing. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure it's unintentional. I think, I hope. Oh, no. but... 
I did not come on here to be bullied. <laughs> oh, bro, this is tough. This is. I'm so sorry, Matt. I didn't Love know you, this was happening. <laughs> I'm, I'm here standing up for the guy that hates me on social I know. media. <laughs> no, you were like, well, maybe they'll pick Dame. The guy that he hates. Don't worry. If I were to tweet out right now, put Dame over De'Aaron Fox, he'd freaking respond to it because he only cares about the negative stuff that right. I say. You guys right. are jerks. Leave me alone. Matt, you you are you're a big you're a big guy. Take the high road. That's why this is why I right. do a solo pod. Right. I can be by myself. <laughs> I can be alone. Shirts. Brent, oh my God. Brendan's got his Brendan's got got to get you back though. You came at Brendan earlier. Now Brendan came back. We're the boys are beefing on the pod today. It's okay. The, I, the guys are beefing. I just told Chris, you want to beef? Talks. What do you want to be? No, about, I'm Chris? still good. I'm actually, I've had a great day. And, yeah, uh, it's not, been a great I'm, I'm day. To, it's, it's a great day. We can, All right. we can talk about why it's a great day later. But, Giants. Um, yeah. Um, oh, let's, let's Bre- try and get Brendan just throwing swords. Let's, Gee, Mike, <laughs> let's, let's, keep, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's, <laughs> I'm going to try and keep this thing on, on the rails. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about, just a little bit about last night's game uh, against the Lakers. Uh, you know, this season, uh, Demona Sabonis didn't, didn't play last night. Uh, with the, so far this season, De'Aaron Fox and Domas have both been incredibly healthy. I think that's been a, a huge key to the Kings' success so far this season. They've only missed a combined uh, five games between the two of them. Uh, De'Aaron's missed three, and Domas has missed two, if I'm not mistaken. I think I mm-hmm. looked that up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they haven't had to play a lot this season without their their best players. And Brendan mentioned it earlier. Uh, but last night, the team did not they were not they just they weren't running the same offense that they run with Domas. And that's naturally going to happen when you have Rashawn Holmes play the kind of minutes that he played in Demonis Sabonis's role. But uh, Rashawn Holmes is exactly who I want to talk about right now, because Rashawn had a fantastic night last night all things considered he got 30 minutes uh which was i believe the most that he's gotten all season gets his first start of the season uh finishes seven of seven from the field 16 points uh 11 rebounds for Rashawn. i think he had a combined eight minutes in the uh in the three games leading into that it's been the honestly it's been a season from hell for Rashawn uh, all year he just has not been able to find any rhythm he's looked really really bad offensively and defensively just out of sorts um just looking like nothing's really clicking for him for him to have the game that he had last night I didn't see it coming uh Frank did were, were you more surprised by the fact that Rashawn a got the start last night which I think also had to do with Alex Len uh not being in as well but uh or, or his performance which which also came out of the blue yeah, I mean, I think that you know, we all know that Rashawn Holmes is capable of, of games like that. We've seen him do it. That was a normal day for him uh, a year or so ago before the injuries took really place was. and yeah. and the out the court stuff happened. That was that's a normal day for Rashawn. I mean, we we've seen him countless times. I think he had a game where he went twelve of twelve or eleven of eleven, uh, something like that last year. Him going seven for seven. I mean, that's that's him at his best. And him rebounding the basketball. The Kings really needed that presence inside. And I think that Mike Brown probably went with Rashawn for that very reason. The fact that Rashawn is somebody who can get you, he can go get you some boards. And like, yeah, Chimezi has been rebounding better over the past. I mean, since he was re-put, I mean, re-implemented back in the rotation, he's been rebounding better for sure. But the Kings needed a prime Rashawn Holmes performance last night. And it was the best case scenario. I mean, I don't think you could have lined it up any better. But the fact that the Kings have Rashawn like waiting in the wings as somebody who right now might be out of the rotation, somebody who doesn't really have a role. It just speaks to how deep this team is and like how Rashawn, when he's back in his 
his, I mean, he's a starter when he's back in that normal territory of being a starting player, playing 30 minutes, uh, getting his opportunity out there. He stayed out of foul trouble. Um, the team's dangerous. And I don't know if this is going to leak into anything else. Maybe it's just a one-off. Maybe it's Rashawn coming out, giving it his all, getting the chain, leading this team to, I mean, really a win. Like he had a huge hand in this team winning this game last night. And then maybe he's going to go back to the bench and not play again uh, tomorrow. I'm not sure, but uh, it only can help his stock. I know the Kings obviously are, they're probably looking to at least make minor moves this, this deadline. I think moving Rashawn could be a move they make, but uh, games like last night help help the team and help him in the long run by by raising his stock. Yeah, Brendan, do you feel like this might be a stretch? And it was only one game; it was a great game at that. But do you feel like there's a possibility that last night's performance from Rashawn not completely reset his value at what it was beforehand? But do you think it kind of might have proven to some teams like, hey, this is not damaged goods? Much like the conversation we would have about Harrison Barnes earlier in this season, like it's not like this guy just all of a sudden forgot how to play basketball. It really is like there's there's reason behind it. Do you feel like? Uh, Rashawn proved that last night, or does he still have some work to do in terms of rehabbing his value? I mean, it's definitely still lower than I think what it would have been at last offseason or the offseason prior. Um, but that was probably my biggest takeaway from last night. Like, obviously, if Rashawn can keep up this level of play, then maybe you have your backup center situation somewhat figured out, which is a big question mark for this team. But to me, more so, Rashawn Holmes is a guy that. Um, I would expect to be moved on from at some point. I don't know if that means this uh, this coming trade deadline, this offseason. I think that's more about if other teams are interested, right? I'd imagine that Sacramento is more than willing to do that. But with his contract situation, kind of like you're alluding to, it's a little tough when he's not playing. But this is the first game that he played more than – he's only played more than 20 minutes two other times this year. And, and he broke 30 last night. His next highest minute total was 23. And he looked rough in most of, the, most of those games. So. First time we've seen double-digit rebounds from him. Um, I, I love that they gave him the defensive player of the game chain. They definitely, every once in a while, I feel like when Mezzi got it too, they're giving it to guys that maybe there was somebody that had a better performance, but we really want to reward this guy that typically doesn't get that much opportunity or or maybe typically struggles on that end, but had a good night, so we want to make sure to reward that. And I love that that's the way that they seem to go about it. Um at times with that, I think that Rashawn was really solid last night. And for sure, my biggest takeaway was this helps show teams that he still is here. He still is the same player that we thought he was. Maybe we ended up, at least for myself, maybe I ended up overvaluing him from the things we saw in years prior um, when I thought he was really good. I thought he was one of the 15 best centers in the league, which sounds crazy, but there's a huge drop off after like seven, eight. Um so I, I thought that that was the case. And I think it's just good proof that that guy still exists. If you go pick and roll, if you switch on defense, I thought that first half was actually pretty tough for him. He got pulled pretty quick. Um, and then it seemed like they started to switch a little bit more in that second half. And that's what I thought he was better at um, throughout the previous years. And I think that he excelled there. So I think it was a great example of like, if you still play to his strengths, that this guy still totally exists. Matt, same question. Do you, where do you feel Rashawn's value is at? And also uh, kind of to, to build upon what Brendan said earlier there, do you feel like that is something that do you feel like this performance is something that he can carry on to his bench performance as well? Or is it kind of or what do you think his performance? A lot of it had to do with the fact that he was able to kind of stretch his legs out a little bit, get comfortable and play 30 minutes. I think the the harsh reality of of 
Rashawn Holmes situation is that there's very little that he can do this year to justify the money that he's making. And the money that you make has sometimes more of a significant impact on your overall value and perception of your value than anything you do on the floor. Like that's, that's the situation to me. I'm, I'm so damn proud of Rashawn Holmes last night because he came in and he did his job. And in the first quarter, I recognized a couple times where De'Aaron and Kevin were both directly showing Rashawn where to go and trying to put him in the spots that Domas normally is in, trying to get screens or dribble handoffs from the high post. That's just not Rashawn's game. Now, the Sacramento Kings lean heavily on DeMontis Sabonis for the first three quarters, sometimes three and a half quarters, to be the facilitator of their offense. But when De'Aaron Fox is in De'Aaron Fox fourth quarter mode, they go away from that. And Sabonis has talked post-game about how in those situations, he goes to Fox and says, it's your show. If you want me to set a screen, let me know. If not, I'll get out of your way. Like that speaks to how great of a teammate DeMontis Sabonis is. But the Sacramento Kings last night, with the success that De'Aaron Fox was having in that first half, they went away from their DeMontis Sabonis focused centric offense because De'Aaron was going and Rashawn is capable of playing more downhill with De'Aaron in that way than he is trying to fill Sabonis's role. So I think there's always going to be a concern with, with Rashawn and really every big on this roster, if you're expecting them to come in and play DeMontis's role for 12 minutes a night. I think there's always going to be concern. But if you let them come in and play with the players that are out there and let the offense adapt when Sabonis is off the floor, because the reality is, and I know there are names out there like Plumlee and other names that Kings fans are interested in potentially the Kings trading for that might help, but there's not going to be a backup center in the league that can come in and do what DeMontis Sabonis does. They don't exist. Like there's only two players in the league that can do what Sabonis does, and Sabonis is one of them. So, and the other one's the two-time back-to-back MVP. So, What I like is that the Sacramento Kings adjusted and Rashawn played his role in that adjustment. He grabbed rebounds. Keegan Murray also stepped up and grabbed rebounds to make up for that. Uh, Kevin Herter and De'Aaron Fox stepped up with their distribution. Harrison Barnes also stepped up with rebounds. As a team, the Kings assumed uh, the stat line that Sabonis left behind. But Rashawn specifically was effective scoring around the rim put some pressure on the rim on the other end of the floor, even if he's not known as a shot blocker, stayed out of foul trouble like you pointed out. Rashawn did his job last night, and the Sacramento Kings didn't win just because of it, but without it, they would have been in big trouble. Rashawn deserves all the praise and the DPOY chain for that. And let me just say this too. In all the pictures and in all the celebration, when Shemezi Metu or Trey Lyles would get that chain, those are guys that are taking Rashawn's job that Rashawn is in the background celebrating. So for Rashawn to get that moment and for those mm. teammates to res- or to, to, to celebrate him in that way, I think you're exactly right, Chris. Sometimes they do, or I, was it Chris or Brennan that said it? I apologize. Uh, sometimes I'll they take, give. I'll take the credit. All right. Frankie, well, well said when you said uh, <laughs> the, um, like they give the chain sometimes to, to players that are kind of unsung heroes. And I thought that's what Rashawn was last night. Yeah, that was definitely Brendan who said that. Uh, Frank, do you, have, do you have any thoughts on uh, on Rashawn's value and just where he where he sits right now? Uh, I, I just based on like everything you see about all these other players that are available on the market, I think it probably is more than teams are willing to give up. I mean, I think the money is the hard part, and the Kings might maybe back off a little bit on what they want back in return. And just, I mean, I hate you'd hate to see it be a, just a basic salary dump, but I mean that could we could be getting to that area. Depends on what other things the Kings have lined up in order of bringing back more money. Uh, I'm not sure how much cap space they have at the moment. Brendan, do you? I think that you're 
do you know how much cap space? Not to put you on the spot. Do you know? I do not. I I, I think they have a oh. little bit of wiggle room. I think they have a little bit of wiggle room. Um, but I do think it's not very high. I don't know if it'd be, I don't know, like a fringe rotation player in a second. I mean, I'm not sure. I think it's just cap relief. It's just who can take back some money in mm-hmm. return. But um. I mean, the Kings need to, and I, I think Sam Amick was on this morning with with Dave and Jason said that the Kings are going to be protective of their team this deadline. They're not going to do anything that's going to alter the trajectory of this team. And then how how the hell could you? I mean, I'm looking at basketball references. Uh, they have their playoff projections. It's and for any of you that don't know, it's apparently ten thousand simulations of the remainder of the regular season. They have the Kings finishing fourth in the West, going forty six and thirty six. That's what that's what they're projected as right now. They have a ninety six percent chance today of making the playoffs, not the play in the playoffs. So I don't know what trading Harrison Barnes would do. I don't know what trading Davion Mitchell or anyone else that we've discussed. I mean, I've previously discussed with Chris, like saying as far as value goes and guys, they can move. I think those are the top two that come to mind that you would maybe say, okay, those are things you can maybe bring back some, you can net a nice return, but look at where this team is and seeing where they're on the standings. They, they are seven games above 500. They have a, what, three and a half, four game lead in the division. Yeah, it's almost February. We're getting to the point where if the Kings keep playing this well, and they, I mean, it's going to be disappointing if they don't win the division. It'd be a collapse at that point. If they have a four or five game lead after the All Star break in the division, that's a collapse. Like hang the banner. I, that's a collapse. So like, <laughs> it's it's a very crazy, surreal thing to look at. But I can't imagine uh, they're going to make too many crazy moves. But yeah, Rashawn is one they probably will try to make. But if they don't, I mean, I could also see a scenario where they don't do anything. I mean. They've added someone like like PJ Dozier, who hopefully could have uh, an impact defensively. Maybe that ten day doesn't work out, and they bring in like a longer, maybe a forward. I don't know, but I can't really see them blowing it up and doing any big, significant moves. Can you guys? I mean, I I just think they would surprise me a little bit. I mean, Matt, do you think that they would make any big, like front page news, like type of moves? The only big move that they make involves Keegan Murray. Like, that's the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. The only big splash move the Sacramento Kings make means Keegan Murray is gone. And I hate that idea. I actually just talked about this uh, with yeah. uh, Sean Woodley from Locked on Raptors on Locked on Kings. Plug it, Matt. It was, it was a great pod. I listened, by the way. It was a really good pod. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And and to me, like, it, it's a heart versus head argument because does a, a player like OG make you better? Absolutely. But Keegan Murray is putting up ridiculous shooting numbers as a rookie and is only going to get better. Plus, you have significant contractual control. I mean, it's the argument against trading Tyrese Halliburton from last season come back to light. I think the one thing that we can trust is that Monty McNair is not afraid to make the move that he truly believes will improve this team. So every option is open. But I think it would be a massive risk to trade a lot of players on this team because of the chemistry, camaraderie, and the things that are going right. Like, I understand defense is still a concern with this team, and that might be a major difference maker in the playoffs. But considering where they were at to this point, a big splash move doesn't happen without you taking a major piece of the heart of this team and and trading it away and taking it away. And that's a lot harder to do on a team that's playing as well as they are right now than last season trading Tyrese Halliburton on a failing team. Brendan, what are your thoughts on shaking up the snow globe? I'm the same as Matt. Like, I think that if there's a big move, it has to involve Keegan. And after what they were willing to do with Tyrese, I don't know that anything would surprise me at this point. Um, But that's taking a big swing. Because I still don't think we're talking about a team that I I know they're sitting in third, but I don't think we're talking about a team that's really competing for Western Conference finals. And I hope I'm not crazy. Hater! Um, Like, there's still another jump that needs to be made. They need an elite wing. 
is really what it comes down to. So if you see an opportunity, then maybe you feel a need to jump on that. But I think that's only if you, like I said, recognize an opportunity. I don't think they need to feel desperate. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if somebody like Terrence Davis, Alex Len, Rashawn Holmes, like Trey Lyles, Chemezi Metu, end of rotation guys, maybe got a couple, a second or two attached to them. And they tried to go get a Mason Plumley, Kelly Olenek, like shore up your backup center or something like that, or another backup wing, like some small move like that wouldn't really surprise me. Um, but that's pretty much where I'm at at this point. I mean, I think yeah. the HB was the most polarizing thing coming into the year. And at this point, unless it's one of those big swings, I kind of would think that HB needs to be here. He's been too important mm-hmm. to this team. Don't yeah. you dare trade. And I've always been playing. I've always been playing, but just to kind of sprinkle one more thing in the, the upcoming stretch here to me is going to be, I mean, Tough. are, are, are they a team that could quote unquote make compete for the Western conference finals? I, I don't think so either. Let me say, I don't think so, but crazier things have happened. And if what they a conversation, come, well, if they can, if they can, I, I'm, I'm just saying, what if they come out of the stretch, Oklahoma city, Philly, Memphis, Toronto, two against Minnesota. That's one, two, three, four, five, six games. If they come out of that four and two, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say the Kings are going to the Western Conference Finals. I'm just I will say though, I feel very confident that they can beat. I'm mean, not not anybody, but they can compete with if they beat Memphis. Memphis is the one that the Kings have really struggled with. I mean, they had the win early in the season. They were missing a lot of guys. I mean, I know that John Morant played hurt. They're missing Desmond Bain. They're missing Jaron Jackson in that game too. The the game the Kings won. Memphis is a complete nightmare. So if the Kings get through Monday and again, Memphis will be on the second night of a back-to-back. Now, does that matter? No, it hasn't mattered for the Kings at all this year. I think that they're like a one and four, Oh, and three against teams that are on the second night of a back-to-back teams get up against Sacramento. Um, but it kind of will, I don't know if that's going to have an impact on what Monty McNair is thinking. Maybe the Kings do come out of his next stretch playing so well. He thinks that they're that close. So maybe he does make a move. That's kind of like a, for my baseball fans out there, and Matt, you remember this when the A's traded Cespedes for John Lester? Why? It was a move that it was a move, it was a move that didn't oh, need to be made. It was a move that didn't need. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> no, it, it, it kind of did though. But yeah, I hate you. But it backfired, right? It backfired. <laughs> so that's my fear. That's a fear of mine, though, Brandon. I'm not saying that they're going to make the conference finals. I'm saying if they come out of this next six game stretch four and two, maybe Monty McNair does say, "Hey, we saw the Raptors on the 25th." Raptors are still nosediving. They have a lot of problems going on in their locker room. Maybe it does. Maybe it's going to take Keegan and whatever first they have. Maybe next year's first. I don't know. I mean, that just is kind of a conversation that uh, becomes interesting if they come out of this next stretch and, and play well. But, yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close to the deadline. Matt, I just want to clarify real quick because you were on with the uh, with the Raptors um, insider. He believed that uh, in order for – uh, OG and Anubi to be moved. I believe he said it was either going to take uh, multiple, as in two to three first round picks, and then I believe when you mentioned uh, the the possible addition of Keegan Murray in that package, it only softened it to like one first round pick. And that was might might have. Can you remind me on what what exactly uh, he, he felt like OG's value was? Because well, I think OG is probably like the tip top player that the Kings could probably acquire at this deadline. Well, one thing that he made abundantly clear is that Pascal Siakam's not going anywhere. Like, as much as it's a pipe dream, he's not going anywhere. So, and that would take the biggest of the biggest package the Kings could put together, which doesn't exist. Um, OG and Anubi, I agree with you, is is at the top. 
and I think he handled the conversation correctly, even if he was overvaluing OG right. in some ways. Like that's the reality is the, the situation that the Kings are in versus the situation the the Raptors are in. The Raptors are underperforming. They're going to fight to be a a uh, play in team. But at the same time, the pressure in that situation is on the Sacramento Kings to acquire the talent to solidify themselves as a, as a playoff team. The pressure is not on Toronto. And OG is very loved and coveted there in Toronto. And he's a player that you probably regret moving on from pretty quickly right. just because of the type of two-way player that he is. So it will take more than what most Kings fans would be comfortable. Probably what Monty McNair would be comfortable giving up. Is OG good enough to turn around the defense and still hit the shots that you need him to hit to be that big of a difference maker? If you believe that, then you, yes, have to include Keegan Murray, a draft pick or two, maybe even uh, like one uh, thing that he said is take the draft picks out of it. Keegan Murray and Davion Mitchell financially straight up for OG works. Do you feel comfortable trading the other two rookies of your draft pick? Like I know some people say absolutely. Other people are are super hesitant. I'll drive them. (laughs) Chris is in. I'll DJ. So Chris is done, and uh, and Brendan is with him. But I, I mean, don't know. That's the situation. See, I'm in the same boat. Like I, and you know how Team Keegan I am. I I think trading Keegan Murray would be to, uh, a mistake for the Sacramento. I think ke- trading any main part right. of this roster right now would be a mistake. So like that's that's the situation that Monty McNair is going to find himself in. And the reality is, it's a very painful and tough situation. It's even harder than trading Tyrese Halliburton away because of the expectations that come with that move and the situation that the Kings find themselves. It's fantastic they're in this spot, but if that's the kind of big move you're going to be making, it is going to be dissected and it has to work. There's not a, okay, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. It has to work to pull something off like that, and Monty needs that full confidence. And here's the thing. I mean, look, and people out there probably thinking, their team's playing the best they played in 17 years. You're talking about blowing it up with a trade. Relax. We're going to move on. But I'm just saying that my biggest – they traded Tyrese Halliburton, right, who had seven, eight years of control when the team traded him. If they were to trade for OG, you're basically pushing all of your chips in. By trading yeah, Davion and Keegan, who both have seven years of control roughly, you're trading for Anunoby, who has just next year guaranteed. So you have Sabonis and OG – if the Kings were to, I don't know, bottom out and win 28 games next year, what if both walk and the Kings are left with, you know, and then with the, because the Kevin Herter trade too, I think that, I mean, they're, it's top 10 protected, I think, in 2025, mm-hmm. 24. Yeah. Um, still, I don't know if that's enough to hang your hat on, but yeah, I mean, that's a scary move. Don't love it for that reason. That See, reason alone, just worst case. But if I'm Monty, I have no problem trading away future draft picks. I don't give a damn about the future draft. Like, oh, I don't yeah. care. This is the King's window. Like, this is it. You've made it. You've made your bed. You have to ride with this core right now. And if you want to add to it and convince other members of that core, Sabonis, Barnes, to stick around, like, that's your path. Future draft competition, I know you don't want to handicap your organization for years to come and be in a position where, like the Lakers, you're capped out and you have no assets to free yourself up or get another good player. I understand that. But at this point, I mean, you're the Sacramento Kings. You've made this bed. you got to ride with it. So that's also maybe a reason to argue for pulling right. off an OG trade and just saying, go sure. for it. So yeah, the, the picks don't bother me. I mean, it's it's the control. Like, if it was control for control, I'd say, sure. If OG had three years on his deal, I'd say, absolutely. I'll, that would be a trade. If it was Davion, Keegan, and, you know, maybe two first, that's a lot. But I'd Oof. say at least there's, that's a lot. But at least you get three years of the guy that you were saying you definitely need, right? It's better than giving away two players that are in what? I think Davion's 20. Actually, I think Davion's same age as Fox 25. Then you have Keegan, 
who's a rookie. I mean, you're trading away almost a decade of these guys for one year of one player. So I don't know. That's just the, the tough part for me. But picks, like we said, we don't know what picks are going to be. We have no idea. Mm-hmm. It's a crapshoot every year. Right. Anyways, sorry. No, you're good. Uh, we should probably move on to the uh, to the meat of today's episode because this next portion is probably going to take a good amount of time. So we should uh, we should allot that uh, for it. We are just over the official midway point uh, of the Sacramento Kings season. They have played 43 games already this year. Uh, this season has both gone incredibly slow and uh, and is I feel like going to fly by the second half uh, of the year. Uh, but it's a perfect time to give our uh, give our report card, our progress report, if you will, uh, for this Sacramento Kings roster, a roster that has performed better than, than most, uh, well, than any Kings roster has in the past 16 years. Uh, so we can finally give out some good grades. Uh, I would expect a whole lot of A's, a whole lot of B's in this one, uh, but we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, we're not going to go through the entire roster because we would probably be here all day. So we're going to go through what Frank called the Elite Eight. Uh, I like that a lot. Elite Eight, uh, Fox, Sabonis, Herder, Keegan, Barnes, Davion, Monk, and uh, Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles crack, cracks that Elite Trey Lyles. Hell yeah. Right. Trey Lyles. Dennis David. Rodman. Trey Lyles. Uh, you know what? And let's start. Let's start. Uh, I almost said at the bottom, but uh, let's Wait, not disrespect. Can I, can I ask a question real quick? Yes. No. no. Is C as expected? Like yes. average? So if, if they were just a little worse right. than right. I expected, right. and I say like C minus D plus, D plus sounds horrible. Yes. But if I'm saying a little worse than expected, like is that right. how we do this grading? Yeah, yeah it's you're, a little, and you're a jerk, and you should feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a mean teacher. You're one of those mean teachers. The yeah, team it, is third in the West, you jerk. <laughs> wow, Brendan. Fair oh, D plus. They're third in the West. D plus. I'm not saying this team. I'm just trying to get this right. Yeah, making sure I'm on the same page. No, here. I, I Brendan agree. Brendan voted for Dave. I, I, I just did the same <laughs> exercise on my uh, on my Saturday show, and I may or may not have given uh, Davion Mitchell a D. So um, I then that it was for that similar reason where I was like uh, a little bit less than expectation. Uh, that is not how I did this grading system. I I did kind of uh, balance it out a little bit more. But um, you can you can grade you can explain your grade however you want. That's what I have learned from teachers in the past. Yeah. You can give True. whatever grade you want. <laughs> And honestly, you don't have to dis- explain yourself at all. You can just give it and say, that's what you got, because that's what I gave you. Uh, and that's my rant on teachers for today. Um, my wife's so we're a teacher, start with Trey you're 100% Lyles. right. Yeah, we're going to start with Trey Lyles. So you can give him whatever the hell you want. Uh, I'll start it off. Why not? Uh, I have I have probably been one of the bigger Trey Lyles supporters uh, throughout this season, especially his play as of late. He's been crashing the glass like Dennis Rodman. Uh, he is only getting paid, I believe, two and a half million dollars this year. So uh, to Matt's earlier point, uh, value plays a huge role in my grade because you're just not going to get this kind of value out of somebody who's only making two point five million dollars. Somebody who is in the Kings core eight um, players that that like Trey Lyles at this moment is getting playoff minutes uh, and he's getting real playoff minutes for the Sacramento Kings. And I don't think I expected that to be such a a concrete thing, but with how he's played this year, uh, I've been incredibly impressed. I'm going to give Trey Lyles a B plus. I know it kind of sounded like I was, I was gearing up for an A, but uh, Trey Lyles B plus Frank, go ahead. Me. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely someone who's come on late in the season. I mean, the last six games, Trey Lyles, 13.3 points per game, five rebounds, 65% shooting, 60% from the three-point line. He has been someone who has been a huge part of the bench. The bench has definitely needed production with Malik Monk not playing that well over the past couple of weeks. So um, all of that kind of just kind of tie off what you said too. I expect him to be good coming in the season. I'm going to give him – I'm also I'm gonna give him a B plus. Yeah, I like the B plus grade. Brendan. I will go with a B. Um I, I think I just need to see it more hater. often, I guess. Yeah, I'm such a hater for not adding the plus. <laughs> um but it, it's been like fifteen or so games that it, it's thirteen that Trey has been like a consistent part of the rotation and been good. And I think I just need to see more than that. Like I have faith that, that will keep going moving forward, especially like the newfound effort he's put into rebounding. I think he's the best example of like coach Brown's impact just specifically on players rather than an entire scheme or anything. Like talked about how he's told Trey stop pump faking. Everybody in the league knew you were going to pump fake like and guarded you accordingly. And then also to put the same effort he puts in offensive rebounding into defensive. And I think we've seen both of those uh, pay dividends for him. So I'll definitely go with B Um, I'm, a little unsure that if the playoffs started today, if Trey would be part of that rotation, Unbelievable. But he's Who right on the edge. Running, he's like right six, on the seven edge. Man rotation? I think they could run a seven man rotation with who with, uh, and you with, think well, I guess, I guess you would need that. to be eight because you'd need that center, that backup center. And maybe right. Trey gets backup center minutes. Yeah. Maybe it's Mezzi Rashawn or whatever, but like, I think there's seven guys that I'm comfortable with in the playoffs right now. And Trey is still just on that fringe. If this keeps up for 15 more, then I'm there, but like I just need a little bit more. So I'm going B. Uh, wow, I'm I'm surprised that uh wow okay I'm surprised that Trey's the one on the outside if you're if you're only counting seven. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Matt George. Well, first off, local Brendan, local Brendan, hater. Brendan would give what me. <laughs> Brendan would give Keon Ellis an A plus. So absolutely, take I mean he deserves it. Trey Lyles has been Absolute. excellent. Like Trey Lyles gets an A minus from me, easy. Like it's it's an excellent uh, role that he's carved out for himself. He showed himself to be coachable and adaptable, just like pretty much everybody on this roster has. Like Chris talked about, he's an incredibly valuable player for the money that he's making, and he's also another feather in the cap of Monty McNair. Somehow Monty turned Marvin Bagley into Trey Lyles and Dante DiVincenzo. I don't know how in the world that he was able to pull that off, but he did. And Trey Lyles is more consistently better than Marvin Bagley ever was even Bagley. If Bagley put up great numbers and had two songs written about him by someone um, and Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, we saw what happened, but it, it didn't directly turn into uh, uh, Kevin Herter, but we know where the Sacramento Kings went. Like it's a, it's a star in the, uh, the progress report of the report card of Monty McNair. And the fact that Trey has been there and made big plays and stepped up in big moments, even if the stat sheet isn't always glowing every night, he steps up and makes big moments in different ways and is impactful on a nightly basis. And the reality is when the Sacramento Kings have played their best basketball, i.e. been on these two win streaks that they're on, their bench has been significant. And Trey Lyles has been a consistent part of that significance off the bench. So Trey absolutely is getting uh, uh, playoff minutes at this point. I think the Kings highly rely on Trey Lyles as part of that second unit, regardless of how many minutes DeMontis Sabonis is playing. Uh, and he, he gets an A minus from me big time. 
Cool. So uh, just to recap, B pluses from me and Frank, a B from Brendan, and an A minus from Matt George on and, Trey Lyles. And I know we clown Brendan. B's a totally fair grade. It's totally a totally fine. fair grade, uh, but you're still wrong. Probably the lowest grade that he deserves, but uh, totally fine. <laughs> B for tough, Brendan. Tough teacher, man. Tough Keep teacher. it up and we'll be there. <laughs> tough teacher. <laughs> All right, I am not taking Brendan's class. Uh, we are going to move on next to Malik Monk. Uh, Malik is at 13.5 points per game this season, 3.8 assists, coming off the Kings bench, 42 games, uh, zero starts so far for Malik this year. Uh, so a true six-man, 22 minutes a game, 43% from the field, 32% from three-point. That is a career low, and that's kind of where – uh, my criticism on Malik Monk kind of begins. It's just, um, you know, last season in Los Angeles, we shot, we saw him shoot just under 40%, 39.1% from three, uh, 40% from three on five attempts the season before that in Charlotte. Uh, this season for him to be taking just about the same amount of threes, four, 5.4 threes per game, shooting that 32% clip. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that it's been that low. I feel like watching uh, – Recently, it has you. You definitely have felt Malik struggle last night against the Lakers. I think he finished one of nine from the field, so his struggles are really starting to become apparent. But uh, to start off the year, uh, he he was incredible. Uh, was definitely leading the conversation with Benedict Matherin for Sixth Man of the Year. I think that cool, that talk has maybe cooled down a little bit. Um, but you know, Malik is still in a firm standing for that award if he can turn things around, and I'm pretty confident that he will. Um, just because of his recent struggles, I think I'm going to give him a B minus. I think if the three point numbers looked better, I could probably give him a B or B plus. Um, but I think it shouldn't be understated how good Malik was when he was good for this team. Uh, his finishing has been incredible. You, we've seen his ability to be a spark plug off the bench, uh, which is something that, that the Kings haven't really had. Um, and, and I think Malik has, has fit that role perfectly and to everyone's surprise has really been that secondary playmaker that that uh, we were hoping Davion Mitchell would be but Malik Monk really just kind of or I guess it would be third playmaker behind De'Aaron Fox but um, has really stepped into that playmaker role um, and, and uh, he, he's been a welcome surprise a great addition and uh, if this is Malik playing poorly I can't wait to see how well uh, he's going to be and how good it's going to be for the team when he starts playing well. Uh, so I'm going to give Malik a B minus at the moment, but uh, with some flexibility. Frank? Yeah, I, I'm kind of close. I'm, I'm going to give him a B. And I think his scoring hasn't been as consistent as we would have liked it to be off the bench. And the shooting has been very spotty. I mean, he had a really good run. I think he was averaging over 20 points per game for I think the month of December, early in the month of December. He's really kind of fallen off um, in January, but the, the the fact that he can move the ball around is like a big aspect of his game, how he's not one dimensional. He can be a distributor. If Darren Fox were to miss time or Davion Mitchell were to miss time, he can slide into that backup point guard role. If the Kings were want, not wanting to use Delhi that much, uh, can't imagine why they wouldn't though. Delhi has been hitting three pointers like crazy when he comes into games lately. So, uh, but that, that the fact that he can move the ball around and he's not one dimensional, like you said, Chris gets in the paint and score on the rim. Uh, I think we made jokes. He's like the next layup King, uh, of this team because since like Tyreek Evans. So a uh, little more than I expected because I think we're doing C as middle ground, right? I think he's been better than I expected a little bit, but the inconsistent part of his game has been kind of a bummer. So I'm going to go with B. Brendan. 
Yeah, a little bit. Apparently, I'm the a-hole teacher here, but here we um, go. A little bit no better than I expected. Um, I, he's just been very inconsistent. You know, like if you look at the the month of January, Malik is putting up nine points, three and a half assists with one and a half turnovers on 33% from the field, 28% from three. Like he, he did have a phenomenal stretch where I was like, oh my God, is this guy way better than everybody thought he was? And he just needed to get more opportunity. Um, I, I think he's just a little bit of an up and down player. And the three point percentage on the season doesn't look great, but he is 35% on catch and shoot. It's that like just under 28% on on pull-ups or off the dribble that makes that percentage look a little bit more tough. But I think as a player, I was expecting this a little bit more streaky, but every once in a while, he's straight up winning you games. And I don't feel like he's ever losing you games, which is a big plus. Um, But I added the plus just genuinely because of his personality. I I think that him as a person is so big for um, just the team environment. Like I I think that he's a very vocal person, a fun personality to bring around that kind of helps bring everybody together. So I think as a player, he's been kind of as expected, maybe higher highs and lower lows than I expected, but evens out to about the same. But I I think his personality genuinely is a pretty big plus to this team. So I went C plus. Completely agree. Mateo. Yeah, I'm going to go with B plus. uh, And, and specifically like I understand the shooting and the concerns of the shooting. It's a very, very valid thing. I expected him to be better than 32%. However, the Sacramento Kings are still scoring at an elite rate, even with his struggles offensively. So the team is able to make up for that where they haven't been able to make up at times when Malik is struggling. The most is the facilitating that he provides. And the reality is like Malik Monk is the heart and soul of that second unit. When Malik Monk comes into games, especially if he's playing well, but even in games that he's struggling, he brings an energy that at home you see the fans buy into. There's a reason why the Sacramento Kings have put together some of their best runs of the season with Malik Monk on the floor. For some reason, Malik Monk and Chemezi Metu have turned into one of the most fun combos uh, in the league. And here's what excites me the most about Malik. He has a clear identified role. I also give Mike Brown and his coaching staff credit for this, but Malik has a clear identified role that he knows and he can excel at. The big issue is the thing holding him back from being an A is that sometimes he doesn't. Like there are just nights where he doesn't. We know Malik can be a microwave scorer. We love that from Malik and the Kings will definitely lean on that from time to time over the course of the season. But Malik is at his best when he is distributing. Malik is at his best when he is that secondary playmaker. And sometimes he either become, he even becomes that primary playmaker when he and Fox are sharing the floor and DeMontis Sabonis is out. Like he's, he's stepped up in that role as well. So when Malik is attacking and, and finding open teammates, plus the energy and, and hustle that he brings, the Kings feed off of that. That second unit energy almost revitalizes this team in a lot of ways. So I think Malik is essential to the success of the Sacramento Kings. His personality is essential uh, in that locker room as well over the course of an 82-game season. Uh, I think we've significantly cooled down on Malik being a six-man-of-the-year candidate, unfortunately because of how his offense has dropped off a little bit. But in terms of importance for the Sacramento Kings, he's a B plus. Completely agree. Uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, don't really have much to add. I think uh, I think you guys nailed it, and I think uh, you're you're completely right on Malik's personality. Like it, it definitely uh, has been a really big plus, and probably I'm trying to think of like he's like overtly funny. I'm trying to think of like the last king that was really like as outgoing and hilarious as Malik. Uh, so he he's been a nice addition in that sense. I will say, Demarcus Cousins was really funny. Demarcus Cousins was a really what? funny player. I don't know if he has the Malik charm, but Demarcus kind of humor, right? Really <laughs> Whiteside, Whiteside was pretty funny a couple of years ago. Again, he was pretty funny. different kind of funny. 
Buddy yeah. Heel was pretty funny. <laughs> Buddy Heel knew how to get the team laughing and pissed off. Similar kind of funny as Whiteside. <laughs> Real quick, should, um, because, should I? Yep. Should we sprinkle in? I mean, we're all for Fox and Sabonis. We already talked. Are we going to give them both a a pluses? Like, I don't think. Yeah, we, we can really... just skip past that one. No, like is they, that they is it. that is that worth the conversation? Brendan, you... I don't know. Hold on, wait. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. B minus. No, a plus for Domas. Um, and yeah, a a. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just hesitate I, on the plus. I guess I did agree. I do agree. Great. Tweet I his ass, De'Aaron. Tweet his a ass. A plus is like this is the best season you ever possibly okay. could have put together. So an A for I do. De'Aaron. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Like Domas is all NBA. I think the yeah. best De'Aaron season, he's in all NBA conversations. But 24 career high in rebounds, 4.3, 6 assists, 50% from the field, and 33 from the three. I mean, that's – I don't know what more we can realistically ask. Third seed in the Western Conference. But you're right. You're right. I mean, he has had better seasons before. I think Fox had a better season two years ago. But I still think all things considered – just because I thought we'd make it quick because we do have practice at 1 o'clock. <laughs> I thought we'd just give Fox and Sabonis all A pluses, but now we have a discussion. No, so. that's fine. Like, I don't I don't mind that at all. I, no, I'm definitely be real. just being – I'm definitely be just real. being more, like, critical or picky with this, I guess. Like, I, I just think that this isn't the best possible De'Aaron Fox that we, like, could have seen this season. I, I think agree. this is the best Domas that we could have seen, no question. Um, but I think that there is still, like – another level to De'Aaron if that three-point shot is falling more consistently if he's getting to the line more often if he's maybe more consistent on the defensive end like I think there's still nights where he has a lot of turnovers he's been phenomenal he's deserving of that all-star conversation I think the whole him and Dame or him and whoever it comes down to is a close race and that's a testament to how freaking good he's been Um, he's one of the best clutch players in the league I have so much faith in every shot he puts up in the clutch actually Um, so he's phenomenal I don't want it to come across as like I'm downplaying De'Aaron's season. I just think that like A plus for me means that this is the best you possibly could have played. And I just think there's a little bit more that I could have seen from De'Aaron. I think, Man. I think really quick, I think Brendan makes an excellent point. I will say my one counter to that is that the Sacramento Kings don't need that A plus as much as they've relied on it in the past. And I'd, I'd argue that De'Aaron is more valuable as an A for this team than he would be trying to be an A plus every night. And last night when he had to be an A plus, when the Kings were missing their other star, he stepped up in that role. So, I mean, I I think the fact that he is an A on this team gives him an A plus for me because De'Aaron doesn't have to be the 30 plus points a night player for the Kings to have a chance. It would be nice, but again, this team is already scoring. So the scoring numbers don't bother me. And De'Aaron has made strides defensively that suggests to me that he is coachable and he is making the adjustments to his game and sometimes taking a back seat on the star numbers in order for the Kings to win. That deserves an A+. 100%. Yeah, I, it, I agree. I, I definitely agree with what Brendan's saying, but I also I feel like I, I wrote down A+. So, well, Is Coach part of this? Yeah. Yes, he will be. He will be. Can we group him in this? Because like that's the easiest sure. A-plus out of all of them, right? right. Let's get, let's exactly. get, we can get the easy ones out of the way because the discussion ones are fun. Right. Like... Yeah. I think Mike and Monty like should just be Mike, Monty, and Sabonis for sure are A pluses, right? I mean, there's nothing better. Any of them, like expectations, cannot be exceeded further than Monty putting this in the third spot. What? Okay. Well, I'll okay. I'll actually if if <laughs> okay. Brennan, if I'm going to be if I give De'Aaron an A, I'm giving Monty an A. Just no plus. That's all it is. I'm going to be nitpicky. The only thing I'll be nitpicky about with Mike Brown is the fact that sometimes his rotations have been throwing something against the wall to steal with sticks. 
And it took him like the Kings went zero and four at the beginning of the season because Mike Brown didn't know his rotations. That's fine. Like it, he took the time to figure it out. He has clear identified roles, and the Kings are working now. Mike Brown absolutely deserves an A plus from me. But if someone wanted to give him an A because of his inconsistent rotations at times and questions about that second unit, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, I mean, I I think we'll just talk about the coaching staff at the moment. Like Mike Brown and the coaching, the coaching staff specifically gets a plus plus for me. Like this is a perfect coaching staff for this team. The amount of like, we talk about the roster depth, the coaching depth on this team is absolutely crazy. We've seen Jordy uh, step up when, when Mike wasn't playing and in summer league was incredibly impressive. Jay Triano is a guy who's been a head coach in the NBA. He's just been around the NBA for, for years as well. We know what Doug brings to the table. Lindsey Harding, somebody who's a great basketball mind. Luke Laux has been a, a personal developer of De'Aaron Fox in his game this year. Uh, you know, Bar- Barbosa. the entire – what's that? Barbosa, too. Barbosa as well. Yeah, I completely forget about Barbosa, who's also hilarious. Um, the entire coaching staff is just absolutely incredible, and, and like, it, it's – it's just you know they they get all the all the awards for them like they 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 are a perfect staff for this team. So also uh, Le- plus Leandro Barbosa looks like he could suit up and play tomorrow. Oh, like, absolutely, yeah, the exact bro. same. And he yeah. like he like my favorite thing that Barbosa does as a coach, and I know you guys have noticed this sitting courtside watching warmups. His job is to contest shots as much as possible and make warmups as difficult as possible for people, and he owns that job. I love Leandro Barbosa. Great on two K too. I'm convinced yeah. the coaching staff could play five on five with like the bench and beat them. Bro. Like that would be a phenomenal. I, I swear, there's at least five guys on this staff that, that can totally yeah. ball out. That I think we been... have like the best coaching staff, like basketball coaching staff. Like if we were to do like a a, a new league of just coaching staffs playing, Kings have to have the best one. Assuming like we have this... Mike. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, assuming the staff is still together. That needs to be what FanFest is next year. Coaches versus players. That's what it needs to be. Coaches versus media? That's a great idea. I tried tried asking about a media game. I tried asking about the media versus media game, like a media game, and and our our friends at the Kings are like, nope. Yeah, like, go find go find a pickup court like somewhere else. I'm like, come on, man, that'd be fun. fun. No, Leo on my team. We could sign waivers. (laughs) I'll get the water. Right. I want to guard De'Aaron. I, for for one opportunity, I want to guard. <laughs> I want you to guard De'Aaron too. See what he does to my ankles. Oh, I would right. I would pay money to someone for someone to record that. I don't mind taking that L. That would be phenomenal content. <laughs> Unreal. Um, I don't even know where we're at right now. <laughs> I think now. I think uh, we have uh how how long we have what fifteen minutes? We um, have fifteen or so minutes until we got to go for practice. We have. Four more players, and uh, we'll just we'll just pass on the Monty trip. McNair conversation. He's an A. That could be. He's in the A grouping. Can we all agree on that? Whether it's like, A minus A or A plus, Monty McNair gets a spiritual A. How about what, that? What more do you want to see from him, though, Brendan? I'm just curious. What <laughs> What more do you another want? move? It's what more do you still want? TBD. Like, I have to see how this season ends. Um, but well, this is a progress report, so. If you had to give just for okay. for the moves that have been made and how those moves have affected what we have seen to this point. Matt's very upset. Matt is so mad. <laughs> if you if it's audio only, Matt's head is in his microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan. Going, a, a plus is perfect in my mind to y'all. Like and there's it's not 
Matt I don't know. I, I guess this is. I guess this team performance is the <laughs> best possible there. outcome that you could have expected. Maybe I'm nitpicky. Like, is there not like three guys in the draft right now that you would have rather had over? Brendan, let's not have like, this conversation. Would, it, would Dante DiVincenzo not still be a rotational player on this <sighs> team? Like, I, I just saying, like, there's little. If I want to nitpick, I you're like not. I you're not wrong. The plus. You're not wrong. You're not you're wrong. Not wrong. The Dante. That's definitely a head scratcher. You're not wrong there. Not wrong. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. But, but you know, third seed in the Western Conference. Not- I just the, – the third seed in the Western Conference thing, that is amazing to me. I'm not – like, I, I guess I'm just still skeptical. You're trying to not be prisoner of the moment. They're four games out of being ninth. Four yeah. and a half out of being 11th. Like, but I know four not. and a half's not nothing, but, like, it doesn't take much to fall back down. So I, I'm just still – skeptical you don't believe yet i believe they're good you heard i don't know first. that i believe their home court advantage we we should not extend money whoa, we should whoa, not whoa, extend money is, is that what you're saying Calm down there that's what brennan said you want to hear I my heard. vlade divac grade <laughs> it was not an a matt has uh, quiet quit this podcast <laughs> he's protesting I, quietly I, I, I appreciate brennan's opinion that's all i have to say <laughs> <laughs> I love and respect all opinions, uh, and uh, that is it. Uh, let's move on. Let's try and move on. Well, we'll, uh, we'll pod next week. How is it eight. not an A plus, Brendan? <laughs> it's their third in the Western Conference. The man has completely turned the team around. Yes. I don't understand. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Kevin Herter, <laughs> Malik Monk, Demandis Abonis. It's a very fair point. Buddy Hill's gone. Marvin Bagley's also gone. Trey Lyles. <laughs> he didn't bring back Jamie and Jones, though. You know, Davion You're Mitchell. You're telling me we couldn't Murray. use Jamie and Jones right now? Oh, don't you? Oh. <laughs> okay. If we had Benedict Mather, oh. Oh, my goodness. So, Davion Mitchell. <laughs> Davion, Davion Mitchell. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Davion. Uh, you know, I think. This is probably where we'll have the most variance in our grades. Um, I can't wait to hear what Brendan gives Davion. <laughs> yeah. uh, Davion is averaging six points a game, uh, 2.2 rebounds, 34% from three, uh, which has risen uh, since the last time I looked at it. Uh, he is shooting 46% from the field. Uh, three starts this season from Davion, which uh, this sounds like a lot. Um, I don't remember those, but three starts for Davion Mitchell this year. Um yeah, this one's tough for me. Uh, this is where Brendan's precedent question at the beginning of this was was very uh, important for me for this specific grade. I mentioned I gave Davion a, a D on my show over the weekend. Uh, after further review, I think I'm going to give him a C plus, but I would like to break that down into two different grades. Mm. I'll give him an A minus for defense. Uh, and I'm going to nah, 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 nah. nah, 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 that when is you the most those two out, out, no, that no, equals no, no. a C plus, you know, <laughs> I, just, I, yeah, I, I'm I, not I think, I think the Lame. offense is, the offense has not been bad this year though. I mean, 46 in the field, 34, not been good. but that's not been four, bad, Frank, but he's has up it been from, horrible. Is that what we're getting at here? Or? He's up from 41 and 31 to 46 and 34. I mean, and he's been playing a lot less minutes. He's playing 10 less minutes per game. So, like, the defense is the defense. We know what he brings. The offense has taken technically a step forward, in my opinion. But 
I do want to see more from him. I don't know how big of a piece he is for this rotation long-term. I don't know if he's someone that needs to be a starting guard. I think he plays the best when he is a starter. I'm going to give him just a B minus. I'm going to give him a B minus. I would like to lower my grade. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, Chris hinted at earlier that playoff rotations that Trey Lyles is really the one you're going to leave out. Acting like He wasn't talking about Davion. We all know you were talking about Davion. (laughs) And then you sat up here and gave him a, what'd you say? C plus or something? Uh, I I gave him a C plus, but after hearing a B minus with Frank's positive review, I feel like (laughs) I should give him a C minus just to emphasize that uh, I am not on the, the positive side of Davion Mitchell. Like I said, though, I am surprised to see his catch and shoot numbers as well. Uh, have came up to 37% on three, uh, and his his three-point numbers are now at 34%. They were hovering near under 30% for uh, for a large portion of this season. I am going with C, and it just has to do with like what the expectations were coming into the year. Right. I already was very skeptical about his offensive game but knew what he could do on defense and and thought that like Malik and Herder coming in meant that he was probably going to be the one that sacrificed minutes. And I feel like that's kind of what we've seen. And it, it's just kind of been as expected. I think there's moments where he changes the game on defensively. Um, and then there's moments where he is just killing all offensive flow, like o- almost Buddy Heald-esque on offense, to be honest, like just kind of trying to take matters into his own hands and is just dribbling the air out of the ball. A lot of dribbling. Um so I, I think that's kind of been as expected, though. And I think that if that three-point shot can continue to fall at a better rate and he can get more comfortable playing off of Domas, even though I know a lot of his minutes, um, actually a decent amount of his minutes do come with Domas, but there's mm-hmm. a handful without as well. Um, but I, I think just if he can get more comfortable on the offensive end, that that would be a lot of progress because his his defensive impact is is unquestionable. If If this guy was actually 6'2", like he's listed here, or right. more like 6'4", like we're actually talking about Marcus Smart, who's like defense player of the year last year. You know, like I, I think that Davion is crazy on defense. He's just limited by his size. And offensively, he just, I, I think, kills the flow too often for me. I, I think that their offense looks different with him out there. I think there's been games throughout the course of this year where you probably would have wanted to see him in the closing lineup, but it's seemingly Mike Brown went away from that because his offensive production is, is a question mark. So I went with C just because I think this is kind of about what I expected for Davion. I too am going with C his defense is too good to drop him into any kind of below average category for me however uh he's been disappointing offensively compared to what he showed at the end of last season which i think was kind of expected because he was putting up the numbers he was putting up in garbage time on a bad team playing 40 minutes a night so like those expectations were always a little bit skewed at the same time i don't know how much i blame davion and how much i blame the system because there have been times where i'm completely confused why davion is doing the things he's doing he's he's turned into essentially a catch and shoot merchant a lot of that has to do with the fact that he shares a lot of time with either Malik Monk or, or De'Aaron Fox who get to the rim and who put the ball on the floor. I agree that Davion has not mastered the art of uh, uh, half a second decision making, which is one of the pillars of Mike Brown's system. So that needs to improve. And maybe the adjustments that the Kings have made to Davion Mitchell on offense are because he hasn't achieve those pillars but at the same time too I think if you're just expecting Davion to be a catch and shoot three-point uh offensive asset you're setting yourself up to at best have neutral value from him his defense is so good that he has to be on the floor but 
offensively unless he can get his shooting percentage up to 37%. Like teams aren't going to respect him enough for that to be valuable. Like that, if there's a double team coming, it's going to come from whichever guard is on Davion. I would love to see Davion get a little more aggressive. I would love for the Sacramento Kings to not run sets for him necessarily, but give him opportunity in the pick and roll as well because he's a smart and crafty basketball player. So I think the system is partially to blame for that too, but also the system is working. And if you can't keep up with the system, that's on you. So he's a solid seed for me. Since December 19th, 15 games, David Mitchell, 53% from the field, 44% from three. I mean, it's trending upwards, but yeah, like you guys said, uh, the assists what are the under, attempts? What are the yeah, attempts? It's like? uh, just under five. So yeah the, yeah, the the assists also are way down. I mean, I think last year, again, like you said, it was kind of very Ray McCallum-esque when he was playing like 40 minutes, getting big numbers. We're like, whoa, is he on something? Uh he was he was kind of stat padding last year. And yeah, the assist numbers are down this year. He's playing alongside guys that like to move the basketball around. So yeah, I would like to see more in that regard too. But the shooting is coming along, even though it's not high volume. It's coming along. He's making the shots he's taking. But yeah, I mean, second half, we need to see a lot more from him as far as uh, just the fluidity of the offense and when, when he's on the floor, it needs to look better. We're going to get to practice and Frank's going to be like, yeah, I think we should talk to Davion and Trey Lance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like those guys. Hey, Speaking that would of- be nice. Speaking of practice, uh, what do we have left? Let's zoom through. Let's we zoom have, through these. We have we have three more. We have which Herter, is Egan, and Barnes. Those are ones you could probably talk about a lot, but I mean, let's try to compile right. it into <laughs> to ten or seven minutes. Uh, Chris, you start. You, you're there. Okay. Uh, let's start off with uh, HB, one of my favorite players on the Kings. Everyone knows mm-hmm. that I uh, that Harrison. I have a Harrison Barnes jersey. I have multiple, mm. and um, I'm a big supporter of Harrison. Yes. Uh, you know. Harrison started off the season incredibly rough, Mm. so rough to the point where people were wondering, is this, has Harrison Barnes (laughs) just forgot how to play basketball? Is he what, Brennan? Is he what? Some people people wondered if Harrison Barnes forgot how to play basketball. And rightfully so. That kid on the Kings beat podcast. Yes. Um, Yes. That not local guy. Um, He... He was really bad. He was shooting like 30% from three uh, for a large majority of this season. We've seen, I don't know, the past month. I mean, definitely since the turn of the new year, Harrison has been a different guy. But it was a a couple weeks before that as well um, where Harrison has has really been consistent, which is not a word that has been uh, uttered after Harrison Bards' name uh, quite too often. And uh, I've, I, I don't really have, he hasn't left me much to complain about. Honestly, he has been incredibly solid. He's been getting to the free throw line uh, a lot recently. And uh, you know, that that's been a welcome addition to his game. Um, he's just been really solid. I'm going to give him a B plus. Uh, let's go Matt, Matt next. Yeah. Sorry, Frank, I'm skipping you. Yeah, shaking good. it up. Sit down, Frank. Uh, Harrison is, has had, I think one, double or single digit game in the last two months. Like if you are getting double digits every night from Harrison Barnes, who is your fourth option at best offensively in that starting lineup, you are getting positive value. And Harrison is con- is consistently providing that. And as of right now, I mean, his shooting was so bad to start the season that he's been shooting lights out and he's still in like what the mid thirties uh, from three point range. So he's still, he's trying to pull himself out of that hole statistically, but those numbers do not suggest how important he has been for the Kings, and he had one of the biggest plays of the night, answering LeBron's game tying and one last night with an and one of his own. Like that completely halted the Lakers' momentum. So Harrison is all reliable. I'll stand and continue to die on my hill that you take the risk of 
not trading Harrison and potentially losing him this offseason. So, I mean, he, he's he's not an A grade for me, but he's a very solid B+. Plus. If he had a better start of the season, he would be in the A category for me, but I'm really pleased with Harrison. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be here <laughs> we have We have four minutes, Brendan. Hey, so he had he's had one single-digit game in the last two months, I think was Matt's stat. He's had eight prior to that, just for what it's worth. The Kings are 10 and three in games where he scores 20 plus. He feels like the kind of like X factor to me. If you have a good HB game, you are going to have a pretty good night from Sacramento. I just don't know that I like can count on him having a good game. I love this stretch that he's on. He's been phenomenal in the month of January. I have no confidence that this will keep up. I think to an extent... I think that he is a 40% three-point shooter. He's a better three-point shooter than what we've seen throughout the course of this year when like the averages come through. Um, I think that he has still been a really better than I expected this year, obviously. Yeah. I'm still going B minus. It's not like I'm super down on HB. I just think it's worth noting he's in a phenomenal stretch right now. Do you remember the beginning of last year when he was like, it, we were like 15 games oh, yeah. in. And it was on like, the team. Hey, is this guy going to be an all star this year? Like, <laughs> kind of like the one he's he on now. He has these stretches. Like, this is kind of typical HB. No, wow, like, you sound like me. I'm no, happy I, that he I, hasn't seemingly regressed. It, it is kind of similar to last year's opening stretch. Like, this stretch he's on right now, like the past, like, I mean, he scored 20, 29, 27, 30 over the four of the past five games. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give him a B. I'm going solid B. I mean, he's been playing, like like you said, that all-star HB. The last 20 games, uh, 17 points per game, 47 from the field, 41 from three, 4.7 rebounds. He's doing it for a while now, since before Christmas, 20 games. Uh, is it, can, is it, can, can, can he keep, keep doing this? Uh, yeah. I don't really feel Christian Wood just fractured his left <laughs> thumb. I don't really feel confident either, either but. Uh, Does I'm anyone thinking, think he can keep doing this? No, right? No, 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 no. no. But also the Kings don't need him to. He's in a hot stretch right now where others are struggling, just like Kevin Herter started the season shooting over 50% from three-point range. De'Aaron Fox had a dip. is playing out of his mind. DeMontis Sabonis is just now averaging a triple-double or just over the last week. So good stretches happen, and the Kings are heavily relying on this from HB. He doesn't have to do this for the Kings to be successful, but they need him to do it right now, and they're winning games significantly because of him. So, I mean... I, I don't need this trend to continue for Harrison. He's been consistent, and that's all I can ask for out of my fourth spot starting wing. I think I have a new bit that I'm going to start where uh, I just ask you guys if he was HB plus, HB, or HB minus. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. Thank you. I, that entire time you guys were walking or talking, I uh, I was thinking about that. So uh, yeah, we have to wrap this up. Uh, uh, <laughs> Keegan Herter, Murray, real quick. A plus. Okay, okay. No, uh, not really. Not really. Uh, okay, let's get <laughs> You know what? Get let's do with... Kevin Herter Why first because Herter will me? be faster. Let let's do Herter. Let's do Herter first. Okay. Uh Kevin Herter has been uh, a welcome addition to the team. Uh let me pull up his numbers right now as I filibuster. This is great. 15.7 points. 15.7 points. Uh, 41% from the field. That was down from like 50% uh, the first month of the season. That was not going to last, but 41% from three, 48% from the field. Uh, had eight assists last night, averaging three assists uh, per game. Kevin Herter uh, has provided much needed spacing for this team. Uh, after the team lost Buddy Heald last year, there was really no true knockdown three-point shooter. 
what we've seen from uh, Herder in his two-man game with Domas has been incredible. It's a real legitimate weapon that uh, that they're going to ride uh, until they can't anymore. I can't imagine uh, anyone coming in as hot as Kevin Herter did this season. Uh, obviously has cooled down, but still shooting above, well above 40% from three. I'm going to give Kevin Herter an A. How about that? Defensively, not so much, but uh, I'm, overall, I'm, I'm going to give him. I'm going A. Like you said, the floor spacing has been needed. He's shooting, I mean, he's having a career year, 15.7 points. I don't know what more you want from on the offensive end. Defense needs to be better, not for just Herter, but the whole team. Like the whole team has been poor defensively, except maybe one or two guys. But uh, I'm going to focus on what he's been bringing to the table offensively. He should be in the three-point shootout like we talked about. He should be in Salt Lake City. I'm going with an A. Brendan, God. No, let's go Matt first because I Brendan does so not. This, Brendan's going to have something to say. So we'll go Matt first. Matt, go ahead. And I think I understand Brendan's dilemma. I think he's putting A-plus on the same level for every player. Like if you're A-plus, this is what you are. And I think the grade and an A is specific to what each player brings to the table for the Sacramento Kings and what expectations were. Kevin Herter has come from Atlanta into a spot where he has to be a better scorer and he's he's embraced that role. He's the best three-point shooter on the Sacramento Kings. His spacing you have to respect. He's hit big shots in big moments like that one-point win at home over the Utah Jazz defensively at times he's been bad other times he's been better than expected he's also stepped up as a facilitator a lot of times taking some of that off of his backcourt partner in De'Aaron Fox Kevin Herter is an A Kevin Herter came to Sacramento the fact that a shooter came to Sacramento and got better when's the last time that's happened like we've had so many shooters get traded to Sacramento and forget how to play like Kevin Herter came to Sacramento and got better, embraced his role. He's been fantastic for the Kings. The Kings offense, as great as and important as Sabonis and Fox are, Kings offense does not work without the spacing that Kevin Herter provides alone. He's hit big shot after big shot for this team. Kevin Herter's an absolute A. Brendan, break my heart. Give him a C. I'm not going C. I had high expectations for Herter coming over. Um, and again, my grades are relative to what my expectations were. If they met my expectations and just at that, that's a C, which I could have high expectations and like, whatever. I had high expectations for Herter. Um, I'm going with a B. I, I think that his three-point shooting has shocked me. A, I mean, like his three-point shooting is really good. Um, I've been surprised at the extent of how often he kind of disappears, to be honest. Um, but I, I think he's been really solid 41% on the year, 38 on catch and shoots, 46% on pull-ups is pretty crazy. Um, but I, I think defensively he's disappointed, disappointed me a little bit. I, I think that there's times that he's, um, the guy that the opposing team is targeting out there. And I think that like last night you saw the defensive adjustment. It's not Davion, go get Fox. It's Davion, go get Kevin Herter. Um, so I, I think just, I had high expectations, but Herter's been, about what you expected. I just don't know that like my idea of who Kevin Herter is has changed drastically. And I think that's like, I guess what takes an A for me. So I'm going with B. That's, <laughs> that is very interesting. Uh, I feel like I should mention Kevin Herter does have career, uh, career highs almost across the board, uh, averaging three more points per game than his uh, previous career high of 12. He's now at 15.7. Uh, career high shooting from three. He's never shot above 39%. He's now at 41. Uh, just from the field in general, never shot over 45%. He's at 48%. 
uh, Brendan had sky high expectations. Is it that like, surprising? Uh, like he was going to get a way bigger role in Sacramento. I mean, no? he was like... going to get a bigger role, but for him to be, I mean, 14 points per game would have been a big improvement from what he had been doing in Atlanta. That's a two point per game difference. He is almost at four points per game higher than his previous career high. And like, yeah, you're taking him away from Trey young who does shoot the crap out of the ball, but you know, for him to have such a massive boost, like if Laurie Markinen isn't in, you know, doing what he's doing right now, you know, you could argue Kevin Herter is, is top two, top three for, for most improved player of the year, which is where you and I both expect, you know, we, we talked preseason. We, we had that level of expectation for him and, I don't know if he's necessarily he's at least been to that level, whether or not he's reached and exceeded. Um, I, I would w- be willing to have the conversation, but he has at least reached the level of, OK, we're expecting you to have a better role, be better. He has, without a doubt, been better. Uh, let's player. move on now. Last player. We are finally here. We have arrived at uh, at the King's newest player, Keegan Murray, uh, Keegan Frank, do you have a stats? I, I can't. I just closed out. I just, I just closed my iPad. And just <laughs> I honestly thought we were done. It's okay. IPad. I just pulled it up. Uh, Keegan Murray is averaging eleven point seven points per game. Uh, he is shooting forty point six percent from three, forty three percent from the field, under one assist, uh, four rebounds per game. You know, Keegan has been a dynamite shooter. I think that's uh, been a majority of uh, of his impact on this team. We've started to see him kind of be better off ball defensively. He leads the team in blocks still, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that's an, an interesting note. But uh, even then, he's he's uh, at 0.6 blocks per game. So it's not like he's uh, Dikembe Mutombo down there or anything. Uh, I'm going to give Keegan... <laughs> I'm going to give him a B minus only because I know Brendan uh, is not is going to give him. You're leaving lower. me on an island here. You know, you want to say lower. <laughs> You're such My a, God. Uh, all right. If all we right. had more time, maybe I would give Keegan a worse grade. But what? for the sake of uh, keeping this short, just know B minus is not uh, a glowing review. But uh, I am. Um, I, I and we're gonna have to come back next week and do more in we depth. Yeah, Sorry, no, everybody, we have, we have to go. To, we have to go to King's practice. But I don't even I, uh, know if we're gonna make it at this point. Oh, I don't think we are. Michael is calling me. Hold on, I'm gonna mute real quick. One second. Oh. Someone else take over. All right, Michael, Matt, go ahead. Matt looks real sad, boy. Matt, go ahead. Keegan well, Murray. I mean, uh, he, Matt, it should also be established. Matt was the leading voice of the Keegan Murray hype train uh, before the draft. So Matt can. Uh, can take victory laps if he wants, if uh, if he feels necessary. I will. Uh, Keegan is the light of my world. Um, and then there's my son. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Keegan <laughs> and your is... And then my wife, yeah. No, Keegan is... Um, I mean, I'm going back and forth here between B plus and A minus, which sounds absurd. But for me, the significance of Keegan stepping into a starting role right away and showing that he belongs. He's up there in NBA history with some of the most threes amongst rookies right like and i and so you guys got to wrap up so i'll just say this really quick keegan murray to me is fulfilling his role he's also showing he's coachable he stepped up in a major way last night with 10 rebounds he needs to do that more by the way uh defense of course he could get better but for what i would expect out of a rookie on a team that is as good as the sacramento kings are he's fulfilling that i'm giving a b minus gotta see more brendan's going to see We'll be back. We, we have to go. We have their closing practice early, and they said we have 10 minutes. So we will Whoa. see you guys. Yeah, we got to cast some furious hit. 
All right. Love you guys. Uh, for uh, Brendan Nunez, for Matt George, for Frankie Cardicelli. these topics uh, at some point soon. I think, oh, I thought Frank already left. He was paused. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, Bye-bye.